Welcome here. It's great to see you all. We are in the middle of a series on one verse in the Bible, 2 Timothy 1.7, and we've been going through this verse very, very slowly, and we're actually going to be just looking at one word today. Before we uh, look at the context and look at that word, this is one of those sermons where, you know, it's hard to sometimes say all that you want to say in half an hour. But I'm really hoping that this is going to be good news for you and you'll be able to hear it in a way that, uh, that is that good news. Because we're going to be challenging a few things about kind of the way that church is experienced or Christianity is experienced. And I hope to do it in a respectful way, but hopefully uh, lead us into a, a better experience of who God is and what it means to follow him. So, uh, you know, pray for yourself and pray for me. Uh, let's read this one verse in the context of the verses around it to give us a little bit of context. It'll be up on the screen. This is Paul speaking to one of his disciples, Timothy, who he's put in charge of a church in Ephesus. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, since you have such a sincere faith, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This gift of God, another word for this gift is called uh, charis or charisma, which is the grace of God, the empowering of God. As I laid my hands on you, you received the spirit of grace uh, because of this faith that you have. For when God gave us his spirit, and this is Gordon Fee's translation of verse 7, this is the main verse. For when God gave us his spirit, it was not timidity that we received, but power, love, and self-discipline. <clears throat> So, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Paul is writing this letter actually while he's in prison for being a Christian. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So, the whole point of this passage is uh, that Paul is inviting Timothy to suffer with him in loving others. And then he kind of goes through this uh, journey of, of motivating Paul through this series of ideas that you have a sincere faith, and so you need to fan that faith through, uh, through exercising spiritual gifts, the power of the Spirit. And this power of the Spirit doesn't look like being afraid. It looks like having power, having love, and having self-discipline. So today we're going to be looking at this one word of love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So I don't know what, what you think about love, but I think all of us are motivated to have a life where we receive the love of God, to give the love of God away. Uh, love is a big deal. Now, what's great to know is that this love that we're all hoping to find someday, maybe in a romantic relationship or through an experience of God or whatever it would be, that our, our hopes have actually been already answered. That if you follow Jesus... God has already poured into our hearts the love of God. It's a free gift. And so this love is already given to you. Now, sometimes that's a little bit hard to believe, isn't it? I don't feel like I'm loved. I don't experience that safety and security the way that I imagine. And, and so we can go, yeah, but I don't know if I'm really feeling it. Uh, Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So somehow the Bible is saying 
what you have longed for has already become a reality. You've already received the love of God. It's been poured into your heart, and you're actually full of his love. So, uh, if God's gift, uh, if this love is a gift, why is it so hard to be loving at times? Why is it so hard to receive this love at times? This is one of those things where the Bible says something super obviously and then it doesn't line up with our experience. He says, God's love has been poured out in your heart. The Spirit has come giving you love. And it's like, really? Really? Today, I'm not necessarily feeling that. All the pressures in my life, if God really loved me, then why is my life so challenging? Why do I suffer at times? Why is it complicated? Why is it when I pray, it doesn't answer my prayer? Really, it's been poured into my heart. Hmm. And then I'm called to love others, and my experiencing of loving others is often just exhausting. I don't know if you've ever tried to love another person. It's really tiring. You've got to kind of, you know, psych yourself up for it, watch a motivational video or something. And because uh, if you're going to love others, that's going to take a bit of time. It's going to take a whole lot of energy. It's not easy. But the way that Paul talks to Timothy is it's kind of already been settled. You've already received the love. Um, you've already been given the grace to love others. So what's your problem? Well, here's what I think. There's lots to say about this, but I want to focus on one aspect of why I think receiving love and giving love, is, especially the giving love part, why it's so hard. And it's this. I think we run out of time. I think we run out of time to be loving. Because this is how I think we view, typically, we view the giving and the receiving of love. We have uh, receiving is kind of stage one. And if you're going to receive the love of God in such a way as later on in stage two, you're going to give love, this is going to take a bit of time. Think of how you spend a day you get up early, uh, wish, you know, it wasn't the time that it is, but I've got to get up. You rush to have breakfast. You go off to work. You spend however many hours at work, at least eight hours, maybe 10 or 12 hours uh, working. And then, and that was just to collect the money that you need to survive. And then you go off to the gym and uh, work, work out a little bit because uh, your body is a temple or something. <laughs> <laughs> we make up as if that has to do with anyways but we go to the gym and we uh and we and we work out and then we have to cook dinner and we want it to be nice because we deserve it after all the work that we've just done and then we need to maybe spend some time in meditation and uh just resting a little bit and after doing all of that then we need to to do uh binge on some netflix and uh by the time all of that is done there's not much time left over is there because that was a lot to just survive life. And then this whole loving others and loving God, just, I mean, I'd like to get around to that, but wow, it's difficult. And if you have kids, I mean, God bless you. It's impossible. Like they're exhausting enough, let alone thinking about anybody else. And so it seems as though we have this sequential view of love that first we receive love, and then if there's time left over and energy left over, we might get around 
to loving others. Uh, now, I think that this mentality is deeply embedded into the church. Let me give you an example of this. There's a really, really great church. I hope to visit it one day. I won't say the name, but I hope to visit it someday. I just hear great things. My, my friend went to visit there just a short while ago. And what they do in this church is uh, he says they're in the middle of a meeting, just like this, they're in the middle of a meeting, and then the speaker says, everyone get your funnels out. And what it means is you're all supposed to go like this. And your funnel, it's kind of like a Y, and then what you're going to do is this is going to be a receiving time. And so everybody get your funnels out, and then everybody, you know, chuckles a little bit because it's a little corny, and then they all get out their funnels. And then this is going to be a receiving time. Now, Here's how I think we describe how this works. And it's like, a, it's like a glass or a pitcher. And here's what the Christian life is like. What we do is uh, we have the water, and that's God's spirit, and the glass or the pitcher is our life. And so what God does is he takes his, his love and his spirit, and he pours it into our life. And then as it fills up, there's going to become a very magical moment. And you, need to, you need to pay attention because... There's going to come a moment when God's love is going to fill up your life to such an extent, it's going to spill over, and you're going to be able to love others. This is going to be a great. But sometimes it takes a while, right, you know, longer than others, to, uh, to, to get filled up to the point where it spills over into loving other people. And so we know that you're kind of breaking the rules if you love before the water spilled over. Because you've got to be filled up first, and then, and then, when you're filled up enough, then you can get around to loving others. Now, unfortunately, in any given day, we run out of time. Our, our, our pitcher didn't get full enough. Now, I've been a Christian for over 40 years, and I'm still not sure that my pitcher is full. It never feels full. I never go, wow, I feel abundantly loving today. And out of the abundance in my heart, I am now going to love all of you. But I, I got to watch it because when I love you, you know, the water's going to go down. So I, can't, I mean, I'm going to love you, but like not over love you because I'm going to have to go back and get full again. And then, but don't worry, I'll be back to love you later after I get full again. It seems as though the church is, uh, has broken up God's love into these two experiences that make it hard to get around to the second half. And since we know how exhausting it is, maybe we don't even want to get around to it. Now, in a way, we're actually justified in the Bible to believe this. In 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. That's a biblical support of the picture model, that we're going to love because he, he filled up our love container, and now we're going to be able to love others. But what does 1 Timothy, the, the, uh, 2 Timothy, rather, the book that we're in today, what does it say about receiving? Now, here's where it gets difficult and you're going to have to stick with me for a minute, all right? 
It says, we have already received his spirit of love, but to fan that gift of love, we need to love others in faith. Now, this is tricky. Okay, let me put up a verse, and then we're going to talk this through. Matthew 6.14. You'll see it up on the screen. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now, look at these two verses. We have verse number one, we love because he first loved us. I love that verse. Because what I get to do is I get to get, you know, my love bucket full, and then once it's full, I'll be able to love others. But then, unfortunately, the Bible also has in it uh, Matthew 6.14 that seems to say the opposite. It says, if you forgive people when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, that's backwards. So what do you do with that? It kind of looks like uh, unless you're loving, God won't love you. Well, that doesn't sound like a free gift. That doesn't sound like what the church has been built on, does it? So what's going on there? Is, is, is loving others really to come out of the overflow of our heart? Or are we to love others even before we feel like it in the hope that maybe God's going to love us? Here's the point that we're going to try to unpack. We receive love as we give love in faith. Let me give you some examples of this. We receive love as we give love in faith. Uh, I've told this story a few times that it bears repeating now uh, in this context. So I'm a, I'm a new Christian, and I'm in junior high school, and there's a bully that, uh, that is in my high school, and we're on the same bus ride home. And so every day he bullies me in all kinds of ways, really, really annoying. One of the ways that was particularly irritating to me is all the way home in the bus, he would tap the top of my head with his pencil. And I'm a skinny little, you know, a scrawny kid. And inside I go, <laughs> man, I wish I was big right now because I would deal with that. But he just taps, taps me on the back of the head, mocking me all the way home. <clears throat> so Christmas comes around. My brother comes home from, uh, from university. And I tell him my problem. I say, I have a bully, and I'm hoping you'll help me with it, meaning he's 10 years older, larger, you know, <laughs> like there's an obvious way you could help me uh, by dealing with this. And so he says some really discouraging things to me. He said, uh, he says, Greg, the Bible tells us to love our enemies. And I'm thinking, this is not going to go well. I can see where this is going. And so what I want you to do is I want, I, I think what would be a great idea is if you would give this bully something that you love, that you really like, and kind of you know, sacrificially give it to him. And so, uh, so I thought, okay, I mean, the Bible says that we're supposed to love our enemies, so I'm going to try to do this. So, uh, he, uh, uh, I don't even know if you guys know what this is, but back in the day, there was a series of books called The Hardy Boys. And do you guys, somebody, oh, good, I got a who. So, uh, so back in the, and I love The Hardy Boy books. And so there was one particular, you know, book that I really liked, and so I was going to give this to him as a sacrifice, you know. And I also gave him a Christian comic, because I'm a Christian, and you have to put Jesus in there, too. So, so, uh, so I wrapped it all up, <coughs> and uh, um, last day of class, I, uh, I get off at his bus stop, 
<coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> and uh, I might need a drink of water. If somebody can help me with that. So, uh, so I get off at his bus stop, and, uh, and my heart is just beating like you have no idea. And so I, I go up to him, and I mumble, I mumble something about, you know, Merry Christmas or something, and I give him this gift, and I just take off. And all Christmas break long, I am sick inside because I'm already weak and wimpy, and now I've just shown myself to be sucking up to this guy, right? And so I think he's just going to come back all the stronger mocking me. First day of school, comes back, and, uh, and he calls across the way, hey, Greg, and I go, here it comes. And he walks over to me, and he says, uh, thank you for that Christmas present. I go, hmm, well, that's going pretty well. And he says, uh, he said, I, sorry, I just got to do this because I'm like, <coughs> thank you. You didn't, you're a little skimpy, but that's okay. Uh, and so, uh, so he says to me, he says, you know, thank you so much for that, uh, for that Christmas present. He says, I've read the comic. I haven't read the book. And I'm thinking, because the words are too big for you. But I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> I thought it in my, I'm, a, I'm a man in process, all right? And uh, he never bullied me after that. Now, all stories don't end that well. But I remember that moment. And what I remember is that my gesture of love healed the heart of a bully. And then I realized I'm a bully and I'm a jerk and God's love heals my heart in the exact same way. In, follow me now. In that moment of giving love, I received an understanding of who God is and what he's done for me in a way that I never would have understood if I just would have been funneling. Working through that cost of loving your enemy changed my relationship with, a God, with God in a way that just waiting to receive never would have happened. Now, this is a huge concern to me because I think a lot of us, me included, are, are waiting around to have some experiences of God to fill up how we feel about him, not realizing that the way that we're going to get that is actually by loving others. The most efficient way to receive love is actually to give it away. Debbie and I have been married for 34 years, and we figured out a couple things sometimes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah whenever I don't feel loved. I just do one of these. You know? <laughs> here's, what we, here's what we discovered. If we're not feeling loved by each other, the first thing that we do is love the other. And as you love the other, you find that you're able to receive in a way that you couldn't have done if you didn't first love. There's a, I have a really good friend of mine. We were talking one time on the phone. He's a pastor in another city. And we were talking on the phone one time. We were talking about what do you do if your bank account, if you're struggling financially, your bank account is a little low. And I said, what do you do when you're, when you're struggling financially? <clears throat> and here's what he said. 
He says, typically, I give my way out of poverty. I've never heard that before. He says, when, 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 the, when the zeros, you know, when things aren't looking good, what I typically do is I start to become more generous because I know that the Bible says that what I reap, I'll sow. And if I sow generosity, I'll reap generosity. He says, so I give my way out of poverty. I never heard that before. What do we do? We go, okay, I look at the bank account. Jesus, I really want to give to you. But I need my, not love bucket right now, I need my bank account full. And when my bank account is full, then I promise I'm going to get around to like giving to your stuff. But, you know, I can't do that until that happens first. Is this not common? Isn't the way, isn't this how we view life? Is we totally want to be loving. I don't know of anybody that doesn't want to be loving. I think we're all in. We just don't have the time or the energy to get around to it because we have to fill this up first. The picture that I have would be blowing into a bottle. If you've ever blown into a bottle, how much air can you blow into a bottle? What's the size of the bottle? How do you blow more air into a bottle? You have to have a hole on the other side that has an exit point so that more can come in. So the way that you actually get more in is by putting more out. I think this is revolutionary. That what God does in his incredible power is mixes up the giving and the receiving of love into one moment. That they actually happen simultaneously. You know, I have, uh, I have areas in my life that are really hard. Some of them have just not been solved for a really, really long time. And I get really discouraged. I can tell you about periods of my life, uh, long periods of depression, of confusion, of, uh, of just incredible hopelessness. And whenever I'm in those places, here's what I think. Loving others is more exhausting and I already feel empty and you want me to love somebody else? What kind of God are you? No, no, no. No, I'm going to quote 1 John 4, 19. And I'm going to say, uh, when you love me the way I believe I need to be loved, then I'll get around to that other thing. But I'm going to need uh, more prayer, more healing, uh, more security, more input, and, and then I'll get to that. Now, I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. Of course, those are, things are all great. But what if it's all jumbled up? What if it all happens at the same time? I think this could change our life. Look, I can't think of a time when I have preached, when I have tried to love my kids, when I've tried to meet with somebody for coffee, where I have felt full. I do not remember a time. I remember not feeling full 
and thinking about someone other than me in a moment, and then I find that in that moment, the Spirit comes and fills me up. And it's always a miracle. It's always a miracle. And if I would wait for part A to happen before part B, I would never get around to part B. Never. I think it's beautiful of God to jumble up the giving and the receiving of love. Therefore, in Jesus, we don't run out of time because God designed receiving and giving to happen simultaneously. And it's like breathing. Can you imagine if the way that we breathed is on, uh, on the first week of the month, we breathed in. <laughs> and the second week, we breathe out. <laughs> That's just weird, right? You don't have seasons of inhaling and then seasons of exhaling. You don't ha- we don't have seasons. We have moments. Because when you breathe, you can't breathe in more until you exhale and vice versa. In the Christian life, is an act of breathing. We, we, we receive the Spirit of God, and in a moment, we give out. And as we give out, we create space to receive more. And this is how the Christian life works. We're not deserving what we receive. We're creating space for it by giving love away. So here's the challenge. The only way to receive as we give is by faith. Because giving doesn't feel like receiving. It takes faith to believe that when I do that, that is as much receiving as when I'm alone with God reading my Bible and praying. This is equally, if not more, a receiving moment. This is what Paul says to Timothy. You've received a spirit of love. Now suffer with me. Fan that flame of faith so that you can receive more of what you already have. So follow me on this now. Maybe the reason why you and I feel tired when we're giving is not because we're giving, it's because we don't know how to find faith in the giving. We don't know how to find Jesus' love and power in the giving. I really believe this, that what makes you and I tired is not about loving others. What makes us tired is when we can't see the Spirit of God in loving others. And we think it's somehow separate from receiving His love and grace in our lives. But as we believe that in the giving I am full, everything changes. So maybe instead of making our life smaller and more manageable, so that we can get around to giving, maybe the real issue is not to love less, but to believe more. To believe that his power and presence is in that place. I've done the the smaller life idea often. I think daily. And I've discovered that my life never gets small enough to feel managed and loved. It never gets small enough. There's a whole other world going on that God has orchestrated for you and I that is in every way life-giving for all concerned. 
in their way to appropriate this new life of jumbled giving and receiving is by trust, trusting that this is a moment of receiving as much as it's giving. So there are times, and it needs to be said so as not to be misunderstood, there are times to just sit and receive. The most golden time of my day is when I get to sit with my father and, and read his words to me and pray and sit in his presence. I can't tell you how meaningful that is to me. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm starved for times to be alone with him. But when we love in faith, we create space to receive so much more. Uh, I'm a teacher guy, right? So uh, when I sit with God, sometimes I get ideas. Do you know when I get most of my ideas of revelation of who God is? When I'm trying to love you. And as I'm trying to love you and serve you, and you bring up super good questions or have really hard situations, I don't know what to do. And I, and I sit in the presence of God with you and then together we discover things about God that I never would have figured out on my own. We work it out together. And now I'm being blessed and we're both understanding the power and presence of God in a way that we wouldn't have understood had it just been about us going off and doing our own things. So, let me ask you in closing. Do you believe that God's Spirit has given you a heart of love? Do you believe that you have love? <clears throat> You're not just pursuing love, but you actually have it. Do you believe that? I think it takes faith to believe that. Do you believe that there is enough of the Spirit of God in you that you can move over into a life not just of receiving, but of giving as well? Do you believe that? God wants to fill your whole life with his spirit and not have you artificially divided up between one moment and another moment. That what Paul uh, says to Timothy is true. The spirit you received, you've already received, doesn't make you timid, having to still go back and build yourself up. You already have the power. You already have the love. Walk in it. Walk in it and watch what God will do. It kills me inside, you guys, to see us struggling when I know that the answer to that struggle is not going deeper inside of yourself, but it's to go and, and care about another person. And if you were to care about another person, you would find yourself being filled up by the Spirit in ways that, that never would have happened had you not got around to doing that. I know what the enemy says to you. You don't know enough. You're not loving enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough time. It's all lies. By faith, we believe that the Spirit of God has filled us up so that we can give love away. And as we're doing that, we receive even more. And now the life that we imagined having with God 
becomes a real experience. Not because we had a moment of a full picture, a full bucket, but we decided to, by faith, I believe that I can do this. And as I forgive and as I serve and as I give, the Spirit of God meets us in those places. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you so much that you're not mean. Christianity is not some kind of setup that you love us for a while, but then there's fine print about how we need to be loving others. I thank you that in the giving we receive and in the receiving we give. And I pray that you would, in each of our hearts, bring together these two sides into one experience of trusting in your spirit. That that, that the spirit of God has poured his love into our hearts. And I pray that you would give us faith now to believe it's true and to walk in a way that is trusting in the power and presence of the God of love.